God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 190, Blue is the Warmest Color. This is listener request number nine. Wow, going back. Just when the ass clowns thought it was safe to come back (laughs) after that Raging Bull episode, we're going back to the obscure. This one could be popular. Okay. It could potentially be popular. This request is brought to us via Twitter from a listener named Kevin. Now, I do want to say we are always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week for listener requests. You can tweet them to us at Greatest Pod whenever you want. Kevin played it smart, though. Right. He sent us six movies yeah. to pick from, <laughs> which was the right move because then we could cut three right off and then... Well, he normally, ranked the remaining three, and we picked that one. Yeah, normally if there's like a, a one request, I mean, it's it takes a lot of approvals to yeah. get it on air. It's like when they're launching a nuke or whatever, and like two people have to have their their hands on the button at the same time. It is like that, except both people are me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did accept another listener request already, but we're not doing it until January probably. So that gives you an idea of like... If you do give us a listener request, don't get too excited. It and takes time. Yeah. And we might turn it down. This is not like the previous time where we were accepting them full sale and yeah. almost doing anything. Not to belittle this listener request, but I would say this has been probably on the list or in discussion. As there, I would this say- would be a movie we, we had danced around the possibility of doing yeah i mean even as early as like the start of the show i'd say this was on the radar something we'd need to get to probably yeah and so i think we've backed off of it over the years it's a daunting task absolutely i mean i'm sure people already noticed no opening clip this movie is in french it is three hours long it's controversial it's a lesbian love story yeah an emotional ride this was the first time I had watched it since the first time I watched it. So only second time ever watching it. But I can remember the emotional toll that it took on me the first time. Tears streaming down my face. Yeah. So just to close the loop, feel free to Thanks, send Kevin. us listener requests. We'll do them if we were already planning on doing them. <laughs> no, that's not true. I mean, sometimes... We might be reminded of something and be like, oh, that would be fun. That would be interesting. Yeah. I it's think this, not open season, though, like last. We're not doing I, yeah. the type of movies you guys asked for the last time, which was it's a also chore. Possible, <laughs> right. It's also possible with this one, though, that we would talk about. It and it's like, well, there's a lot of controversy around it. It's a long-ass movie. Not necessarily a ton that happens. But 
we both love this movie, but it's like, eh, I don't know. Does anybody want to hear this? And then as soon as like one person's like throwing it out there, we're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we were ready. This is a three-hour French lesbian film with ultra-explicit sex scenes. There are going to be no clips in this episode because they would be in French. I don't think they would really benefit anyone. And since it's three hours long, I think we're going to approach this episode a little bit differently than we have been doing the episodes for a while now. I don't think we're going to necessarily dissect the plot as deeply as this we would, normally yeah. would it would be an eight hour episode if we were going through it yeah it's not gonna be like wish upon a star where we examine every line of dialogue <laughs> <laughs> well in a movie like that you know every moment matters that's true every scene in this is so long <laughs> including the sex scenes everything goes on forever we just we can't do a four hour blue was dormous color episode so we're gonna try to keep this reasonable i mean no promises i mean it still might be two hours but we're sure we're not gonna do like it's a passionate topic every single thing so some of the stuff in the film will probably be glossed over more quickly than we normally would we're gonna spend some more time setting it up but before we do that even if you don't have a listener request follow us on twitter at greatest pod subscribe to the show on apple podcasts or podbean tell your friends about it Everyone seemed pretty happy with the Raging Bull episode. Yeah, I mean, people were retweeting it. That doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, way to just <laughs> lay us bare here. That's right. Exciting times for the podcast heading into the end of summer, into the fall. Oh, yeah, my favorite time. Matt's getting excited. Damn. Blue is the Warmest Color came out in 2013. It was directed by... Abdelatif Kashish, written by Kashish and Gayla LaCroix. LaCroix, I don't know. I want to say this movie was on Netflix like pretty quick, too. Probably. It had a very brief theatrical run in America since it's rated NC 17. Although in certain parts of the country, namely like New York with the IFC theater, they just ran it unrated and let wow. teenagers in of all ages yeah. because they thought it was important. It's based on the comic. Le Bleu et une couleur chaude by Julie Moreau. Interestingly enough, that means the blue is the warmest color, which is the name of the English version of the movie or the English yeah. release of the movie. But the French is La Vie d'Adèle, chapters one and two. Weird. And then they went with the comic book name for the American release. It stars Leah Sidhu as That's Emma. Right. James Bond movies. And Adele Exarchopoulos as Adele. I guess movie singular. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about this being based on a graphic novel, though, it seems nuts. I'm like, okay. But all I can picture is Scott Pilgrim with explicit animated sex. I don't know what the book is like, but I do know that the author wasn't super thrilled with the sex <laughs> this scenes. This is not the vision I had. I think she liked the film and thought it was wonderful, but the sex scenes were a bit much. Yeah. And we're going to get into the sure. sex scenes, of course. We're going to hit that up top, basically, <laughs> before we really jump into it. But it is a sight to behold. One of the main things about this movie that's interesting is that it won the Palme d'Or at Cannes, which is the main prize. And for the first time ever, the jury, which included like Steven Spielberg, Ang Lee, Nicole Kidman, amongst others, wow. they specifically noted that the award was to be shared amongst Kashish and the two stars, Sidhu and Extra Chopolis, which is 
unprecedented. It's usually just for the director, but wow. they yeah. specified it should be shared with the two leads because of the undertaking that it was for these two women to go through this, not just to bare their bodies and go well, through these intense sex scenes, but just the raw emotional feel of it. Yeah, absolutely. The performances are great. We talked about it before the show, but the realism off the charts. Yeah. Kashish was looking for a very naturalistic feel to the movie, which led him down a path which caused some controversies yeah, well, sure. and some issues with his crew and, and then eventually the cast as well. But he did achieve the goal. Yeah. There are not many scenes in the movie where you see the acting at all. It feels very naturalistic, very real. A very lot of it feels fly like on the wall. Yeah, like true human interaction. Part of that is achieved through having the scenes go way longer than they would in a movie. They play more like how they yeah, do in real life. It is like there there are hangout scenes where it's just people conversing. There's long scenes of Adele in school. There's long scenes of her teaching later in the film. The dinner scenes are long. Lots of food stuff. The sex scenes are long. Everything's long. Yeah, that's true. Which makes it feel more like you're watching some kind of a long-form documentary than a typical movie, which wouldn't normally have these extended scenes that go on forever. Adele, just a phenomenal dancer, I would say. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about these controversies because I am a little bit ashamed to admit that Blue is Dormous Color made my initial best of the decade list, which we did those last summer. Yeah, and okay. then I kind of caved into the fear of like, well, this is sort of a problematic movie, oh, no. so I'm going to take it off. and Cancel Greatest Moments. I put Hereditary on instead, if yeah, you remember, you at number 10. But it was originally going to be Blue as Norman's Color yeah. because so few movies of the past decade had such an impact on me. That's true. I mean, this movie... Okay, so like the sex scenes are wild, but it does rock you emotionally. The first time I watched the movie, later that night, I was like dreaming vividly about it and Woke not up in the a sex scenes. cold sweat. And that's the wildest thing I can say. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> not the sex scenes. We'll talk more about that in a second. I but just, let's talk about Kashish, the working conditions oh, for yeah. the crew, which were a problem. Well, that's the thing. It's like this movie comes in at about three hours. You read about it, and it's like they shot 800 hours of footage. It was only supposed to be a two-month shoot and ended up expanding to five and a half months. Holy Hundreds shit. of takes for different things. For what feels like an indie movie, and you're shooting it for half of a year? I think he was working with... Leah Sidhu on her character for years leading up Holy to it. Shit. I mean, it was a long process. The crew complained of bad atmosphere, quote, moral harassment. Some crew and workers quit. <laughs> it's kind of like if we had a staff working on this show. Some of the technicians accused Kashish of harassment, unpaid overtime, and violations of labor laws. Oh, boo-hoo. And then around the time of the film's release, initial released in September of 2013. Both lead actresses publicly complained about Kashish's behavior during the shoot, describing the experience as, quote, horrible, and both stating they would not work with him again. Wow. However, within, like, the next six months to a year, both kind of walked this back a yeah, little bit in I was later reading interviews. That. 
Exarchopolis said, quote, no, it was real, but it was not as big as it looks. For me, a shoot is a human adventure, and in every adventure, you have some conflict. Sidhu uh, elaborated a little bit more, saying in 2014, I'm still very happy with this film. It was hard to film it, and maybe people think I was complaining and being spoiled, but that's not it. I just said it was hard. The truth is, it was extremely hard, but that's okay. I don't think people's reaction was that she was being spoiled. I don't mind that it was hard. I like to be tested. Life is much harder. He's a very honest director, and I love his cinema. I really like him as a director. The way he treats us, so what? (laughs) That's what she said (laughs) in 2014. This is all very pre-Me Too, although it does not seem like, (laughs) despite the fact that there are extreme sex scenes in this movie, it does not seem like, because she's just really being accused of any like, sexual impropriety, but I don't Well, that's what's uncomfortable know. about something like this, because that's where your mind goes when the two lead actresses are in these scenes, and then there are complaints about the hardships. That That's immediately what you think. Yes, and him being like a 50-, 60-year-old director, the two oh, no. women being a lot younger, especially Adele. She's only like 20 years old at the time that they filmed this. It gets into a very creepy place potentially in your head although it doesn't seem like either woman was particularly bothered that much with the sex stuff i think they both knew what they were signing up for i don't think that was like sprung on them really i can't imagine and you wonder how many hours of the 800 (laughs) they're using prosthetic vaginas during the oral sex scenes and stuff they're not actually i know but making contact in that scenario it looks about as real as it can certainly i mean it's about as close as it can get well we're not talking like brown bunny situation yeah i know but if you found out that it was actually a brown bunny situation i would say you wouldn't be surprised not from the look of it no yeah just from the ethics we should point out kashish's credentials like who is this guy to demand this of these actresses who is this guy he is a big deal in France. He was considered like the premier filmmaker in France at the time. His previous two films, Games of Love and Chance and The Secret of the Grain, both won the Caesar Award, which is the biggest award in France for film. So he was... Doesn't seem like he's done much since this, right? Yeah, I don't know. Most of his stuff is not leaving France. It's not really making an impact on most of America, but this one, the Palme d'Or at Cannes, this was like a big deal. And so it did get a release over here. That's why these two actresses wanted to work with him in the first place and were willing to go on this journey that was going to be so extreme. We were, <laughs> you know, being <laughs> being the creeps that we are, okay. we were making jokes about, imagine if like an American film was like this. And I was like, it would never happen. I mean, <laughs> yeah. American actresses just would never do this. And I'm not saying that they should have to do this, but (laughs) in Europe, it's just a totally different mentality, clearly. I mean, their ideas on sex and nudity in film is just way more open. Okay, so in addition to the potentially hostile work environment that was experienced by a lot of the crew and potentially the two leads in the film, the big talking point obviously with this movie coming out of the world premiere coming out of the Cannes film festival 
are the sex scenes. It's what it's most known for. It overs- yeah. They overshadow the film because they're crazy. Yeah. It's just not something you're used to seeing in mainstream cinema. I think it is strange how we compartmentalize things as human beings because most people watch porn. Right. Most people see way more fucked up shit, way more graphic shit than this. But it's private. It's done like in a certain time period, in a certain situation. And seeing it in a yeah. normal movie, people sort of like lose perspective on it. This does sort of feel like you're seeing something that you shouldn't be. Yeah, which I think is part of the point of it. Yeah. You, you are a fly on the wall for this relationship, and a big part of the relationship between the two characters in the film is their passion, this intense passion. Because right. for those of you who haven't seen the movie, I mean, we're talking about a girl trying to figure out and understand her sexual identity. She's sort of having a sexual awakening through experiencing love at first sight with a another woman, an older woman who has blue hair. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first half of this movie is her embracing that and stepping into that world for the first time. And then the second half sort of deals with their relationship and then the demise of that relationship yeah, which obviously right up my alley. If you've paid attention at all, degradation of a relationship is basically like the number one thing that I'm drawn to. But I don't know. I think we should get this on the record. I know both you and I agree on this, but I feel like we need to state it because sometimes people may misunderstand or might miscast us as creeps. But I wouldn't say miscast. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah. But I would say like, we're, we're both lockstep in this, that we love this movie, would love it without the sex scenes. Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I get what the point of them is. I think the point of it is their relationship is so much built on passion the whole time. The director wants to give us this unique fly-on-the-wall perspective to see so many of the things that are significant in this journey. Mm-hmm. And so you feel so connected to these two women, especially Adele, who's in every scene of the film. And you know them intimately. You know so much about them. And then you, you, seeing something like that is so personal. But at the same time, it overshadows the movie because of people's reaction to it, their inability to handle it. It becomes the controversy surrounding it. And there is some legitimate pushback. This is lesbian sexuality on the big screen, but it's from by the straight man. male perspective. It was accused of the male gaze and all that stuff. Sure. I think it's interesting, though, if you have the Criterion Blu-ray to to check out the essay by B. Ruby Rich, professor, critic, author, who wrote the essay. She has some interesting points. I think I would assume that she herself is gay or something. Okay. (laughs) Because she wrote some book about queer cinema. I don't know much about her, but... Her points, I don't necessarily know if I agree with all of them, but she brings up interesting things about why people fixate on this stuff, plus how the history of gay relationships and gay sex in cinema has always been debated and problematic, and everyone always has opinions about it. People just zero in on... I mean, not that I'm discrediting those people's opinions, but it's just like, does it really matter? Well, I think, yeah, her point is that people fixate on that as a way to kind of escape yeah having to deal with the movie itself because if you can just p- 
pin all of your fears and uncertainty on the director acting like an asshole or on how, oh, well, real lesbians don't actually scissor. You know, I don't know if they do or not, but that was a big debate coming out of this movie and how the scenes are very, like, porno-y. Yeah. But if you just, if you use that as a way to shield yourself, you're ignoring the rest of this movie, which less than 10% of it is the sex scene. So there's huge parts right. of this movie. Although the sex scenes are long. Well, yeah, that would still be, like... Sure a big percentage but like it's funny you mentioned the criterion blu-ray just like as we record this episode on zach's giant tv the criterion blu-ray menu screen sits there with adele's giant face just looking off into the distance adele the actress and the character yeah her name originally was going to be the same as it is in the book which is clementine but (laughs) kashish was like filming her all the time even when they weren't actually doing scenes okay well you can and he wanted to use stuff from those film sessions and people were calling her adele which is her real name and so he's like well what if we just change the name then like the part early in the film where she's like sleeping on a bus or something that was just her sleeping on a bus that wasn't part of the movie and then he just like puts it in there again it just flows into this naturalistic feel oh yeah that's definitely what he was interested in it is funny though like going back around this time you know, when this movie came out or the the year following, because that's when it's really appearing on like people's lists and whatnot. I, I do remember listening to Brett Easton Ellis talk about this movie and he's a very gay man. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about the sex scenes in this movie and he was just like, you know, even me as a gay man was kind of getting a little <laughs> anxious watching those scenes. <laughs> There's a lot of moments in this movie that seven years later now in 2020 you almost sort of question the legitimacy of but you have to remember everything nowadays in society just moves so quickly we're ever in flux there's constant change and evolution and nowadays a straight male director probably would not really get away with this even in europe yeah because it's just not something people want to see and they would want this to be done by a woman or or a gay woman because you're just like, this was not that long ago. But I think that's But crazy that also about... plays into yeah. things in the movie itself, which we were talking about before we started recording. Like her, like Adele's peer group, their yeah. reaction to the idea that she might be gay is not great. <laughs> and you're right about like, like things changing so quickly now. I mean, I think if you just look at the time period of like the year 2000 to now, like a 20 year span in the movies over those years and how much changes about society and culture and the way people react to things i just feel like it's it is moving like very quickly yeah and that applies to within the movie and without the movie like the idea of a male director doing this and then things in the movie itself which upon this rewatch i was like why would her friends be like this that doesn't feel real to me no one would act like this because this movie still feels very modern to me yeah because it's only seven years ago. I can vividly remember seeing it for the first time. But in the scope of like how fast things change now, especially with these sort of social topics when it comes to gender, yeah. sexual identity, race, and stuff, it just changes so rapidly that looking back on how things were seven years ago, and then you do a little bit of research, you find that like gay marriage was like a very hot debate going on in France around this time. There was pockets of conservative feeling of being against that and there was probably a lot more homophobia than there would be now 
because if you did this movie now, I think most people in high school, I, I, it, you know, it's impossible for me to, to really speculate on what it's like in France, but I would imagine that it would be more uncommon now for her to get that sort of reaction from her friends that she gets in the movie. Uh, I would that just say, doesn't yeah. seem, you know, in a post faking it world, MTV's <laughs> faking it. <laughs> the oft referenced faking it. The thing to me though, is I appreciate and think it's great to have a lot of debate and discussion about this film and to wonder about the sex scenes because they are very, specifically male and they are modeled seemingly after pornography maybe because i do think that there'd be less position changing than there would be in these scenes however as i said to you inaccurate does not necessarily mean invalid because then you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. it's like if real lesbians don't scissor or real lesbians don't change the positions as often as they do in this movie does that mean you throw out all three hours and be like, this is just not a good movie now. Yeah, I know. Because of one little aspect being problematic. And this is where we get back to finally circling back to what you were saying, which is I think we would both be okay if these scenes were not there or if they were toned down sure. in some way. Yeah, well, yeah. It, more like what we expect from like Hollywood sex scenes. If the movie sucked, we would be like, no, you got to keep these scenes. It's, the, it's, all, it's all we have. The scenes stay. But the film itself is so powerful and moving to me and was still bringing out emotion for me the second time I watched it that I don't want people to be distracted by the all-consuming sex scenes with the scissoring and the prosthetic vaginas and the porno vibes. and Yeah, a couple more things on the sex scenes for me. (laughs) It was funny because I did watch this movie in two settings uh, just because... Or sorry, in two sittings because the length. Yeah, but it's also kind of broken up evenly. You know, there's kind of two acts. I would say. Yeah, that's why I think there's chapters one and two. I don't know how it was released in France. It might have been released as two different movies. I'm not sure. But part one, where the sex scenes are occurring, I was watching during the day on like a Saturday, and I just at one point I was like, oh my god, I need to like shut the blinds. <laughs> <laughs> But Lindsay watched the movie with me and was a pretty good sport about it because you can definitely see someone just being like, oh, my God, I cannot. This is like too much. Yeah. I think you can understand. Someone I think if you have like a way. pretty open mind, though, if you start from the beginning, you can tell that this is like a serious thing. Though. Yeah, true. This isn't some like <laughs> grindhouse exploitation <laughs> yeah. movie that I have. Right. With like a lesbian prison warden or something like that. It is intense and it is wild, but like yeah. if you if you put in the the time to lead up to those first scenes, then you're kind of like you're getting the whole thing. I think. But she did make the comment on the sex scenes that she's like, "Well, this is basically porn," and I was like, "What kind of porn are you watching?" <laughs> but I was like, "Well, I, I don't know. I've never really seen porn like this. Softcore porn looks way more like acting than this does, and hardcore porn is like." Just way more cold and emotionless than this. And way more graphic. Well, this yeah, is absolutely, gra- this yeah. is graphic, but it's not Right. I don't yes. want people to think that you no, actually no. <laughs> see like it actually contact. But But like, there is a lot of passion in it. Oh yeah. Well that's the thing. I mean, these are real actresses. They're not Right. <laughs> you know, they're not <laughs> porn actresses. Not the denigrate porn absolutely actresses. Absolutely not. But you know. <laughs> It's interesting to me when the quest for absolute realism matters to the audience 
more than other times. It, for whatever reason, Blue is the Warmest Color and the criticism surrounding the sex scenes reminds me of the social network and like the lead up to the release of that back in a time where people were like, oh, are they being too hard on yeah. Mark Zuckerberg? Now it's in retrospect, everyone's like, wow, they really let him off easy. But, <laughs> you know, because they're like, well, uh, do the inaccuracies in the social network, do they paint Mark Zuckerberg and the creation of Facebook in a fair light if it's inaccurate? If things about it are embellished or changed or not true, and then it, for whatever reason it became this very big debate right before the Social Network was released. Ultimately, didn't matter. The movie was a hit. Was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Yeah, I think people Great realize flick. that the inaccuracies don't matter, right? Because it's a movie, and so people pick and choose their battles. And I get it. There's not a lot of gay depictions in movies, especially in 2013 and, and prior to that. I think we're gradually changing, but so. It is more meaningful to certain segments of the audience to get certain things right, but it ultimately, like I said, it, it, it sort of leads you away from the quality of the rest of the film. And so yeah. it's like this quest for realism is also a double-edged sword when it comes to the director himself, because Sheesh, it's like, did this lead him astray by thinking, I'm going to make these sex scenes as realistic as possible and as intense as possible? But since he's not a lesbian and it didn't seem like they really had on-set advisors to like maybe get these scenes more accurate, did that lead him astray and ultimately do more harm than good? Because I think he was trying to, like, let's show as much as possible about the things that are important in this relationship. And sex is, like, a huge part of it because yep. ultimately that's all they really have in common at the end of the day once they start growing apart. But did his ego get in the way and ultimately like fuck him over by having the audience be distracted by the weirdness of these scenes or the inaccuracies of this, these scenes. And so, so some people are like, yeah, what, what are they doing? Are they actually scissoring? And okay. then that leads yeah. to a whole debate. Like a lot of lesbians are like, Oh, we don't really do this. And then some are like, yeah, we do. And it's All like, right. you know, it's, it's like a whole thing. And it's like, if you would have just been more traditional with the sex scenes, does this movie become even bigger it was a, it was a big breakout international hit but like would yeah. it be even bigger without them not gonna rule it out but it's hard to say blue is the warmest color is a deep dive into the life of adele there's a strong emotional connection to the character kashish uses close-ups yeah raw emotions long scenes it almost has like an andrea arnold type feel yeah no holds barred a lot of improvisation Filming all the time, which we touched on. Yep. Passion and heartbreak, the ultimate love story designed to reach out and grab all audiences in a truly visceral way. Big things in the film besides the sex scenes. So we're finally moving on. Social class, which sure. is a big part of all of Kashish's work, evidently. I've never seen any of his other films. I'll just admit that. I know that Matt hasn't either. <laughs> Don't have to ask. And these are the type of things you don't necessarily see the first time you watch the film because you're sort of blown away by it. You're sucked into the world. Yeah. You feel like you're just like right there. But then when you take a step back your second time watching it, you start to notice more and more. Certainly like the fixation on food was resonating with me a lot more the second time. Well, there's definitely a fetishization of food. And the family dinners in particular are yeah. very important, but they also demonstrate the difference in social class between Adele and Emma. Emma coming from this more upper class, artsy world, very liberal parents. Whenever they become a couple, she's very open about it with her parents. 
Adele, on the other hand, is supposed to be from a more working class area. Her parents are more conservative. She pretends that Emma is her philosophy tutor, and they keep yeah. the relationship secret. Well, she definitely has this quiet, lost, introverted feeling to her, which is why I always think that it's strange that she becomes a teacher. I mean, you point out that, I mean, they hit you over the head with the reasons, but it still feels like a weird fit based well, on Well, it's her also her with little kids, though. Yeah. I think it's it's easier for people to talk to little kids. Well, that's true. Okay. Once they start getting older and older, then it becomes probably more daunting. You know, the other thing I think about, like, some of the controversies and, and criticisms of this movie is, like, you know, one, it's always sort of tricky territory when you have a lesbian character get involved with dudes sexually. I just feel like it's not something that plays well. But in this movie, I, I do feel like it's part of her discovery as she's like coming of age or whatever. And then down the road, you don't really get the sense that she's overly into guys more. So just like feeling alone. And this is where the attention is coming from. Yeah. I want to get more into that scene. Like when we get to yeah. it, but I would say that nowadays it's possible that that feeling would be different sure. than it was okay. back then. There is almost like a very like David from Schitt's Creek. Yeah, like kind of like sexuality is more of a spectrum and people can kind of be into multiple things or, or different kinds of things sometimes. Like an occasional rose. And this is more reminiscent of like that very like hard line feeling from chasing amy or something which is of course another problematic lesbian movie right. <laughs> directed by a straight man <laughs> but also a movie that i like yeah i do too and that that's more of a snapshot of a longer time ago than this yes but it does seem like some of the problems that might arise with how people feel about different moments in this film stem from what you were saying but we'll we'll get to that right it is a big uh turning point in the movie the differences in social class between Adele and Emma show up through not only their families, but their peer groups, which is a big difference. And Adele never seems to really fit in to Emma's peer group, which is part of the issue that leads to her loneliness and her infidelity. And that also manifests in their ambitions, their careers, their interests, and ultimately leads to them growing further and further apart yeah i think there's a lot to say about the character of emma that we'll kind of go right we'll talk about as we go through the plot here but like well we hit on it when we were discussing it i mean one of the i think great things in this movie is how much is left to mystery and you kind of got to like piece it together or you know make some decisions about what you think happened but with the emma character in particular i mean we do have this juxtaposition where it's like adele is like always wearing it on her sleeve but emma it's it really hard to get a read on her like what she's feeling what she's thinking yeah even though leah sidhu is top billed because she was more of the international name she'd already been in several american movies by this point i think and was sort of a bigger deal adele was more an up-and-comer this know. is definitely adele's movie from her perspective uh, yes. and a lot of emma's story is a mystery and She's almost intentionally hard to read, I think, because she's juxtaposed with Adele, who's very easy to read. That's right. When she's not into something, you can tell. Yeah. (laughs) Other things that jump out in this movie besides food and eating 
I love how Adele is like constantly eating in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's a dream. Teaching and school, art, and of course the color blue, which yes, sort of is a running thing throughout. There's a lot of discussion about Picasso throughout it. He had a famous melancholy blue period. Obviously in the title, when they meet, Emma's hair is blue. Through yes. Act two, it seems like Adele can't stop wearing blue. Anytime she goes to meet with Emma after they're broken up, yeah, she's always trying to recapture that feeling. So the movie begins with Adele. She's like 17. She's at school. She's discovering her sexuality. She's branching out a little bit. And there's a failed attempt with a boy in her grade. Yeah. They have sex. She doesn't seem super into it. No, it feels cold and emotionless from her part. You feel for the dude because... He's just oblivious to the fact that she's not really that into yeah. what's going on. They have what seems to be mutual interest in each other. They spend some time together. They go out on some dates, and then she breaks it off with him. She confides Surely, in her friend. You know, it. I don't know. I just don't feel it. It's not feeling right. Shortly after first hooking up with this guy, there's this love at first sight moment with a woman with shorter blue hair on a crosswalk and she's going to meet with this boy and this seems to be her first awakening yeah something that she previously was either unaware of or had been like repressing it's hard to say but it definitely seems like this is the moment where something is clicking into place where, that yeah. previously had been out of place where she's just like oh okay she's having fantasies about this unknown woman pretty hot pretty explicit <laughs> But it's just a teaser. It's nothing like the sex scenes <laughs> We're that will be coming started. up. I did want to touch on the brief incident with a friend here where... Yeah, this feels a, strangely thrown into the movie. There's a schoolmate of Adele's. They're sitting together outside. They watch another girl walk by. And this girl who's sitting next to Adele starts talking about the other girl's ass, how she's this cute little ass. She's like, she's really cute. I really like her. Wow. And Adele, like does not know how to respond to this. It's yeah. sort of like freaking her out. And then the girl turns it on to Adele being like, don't be jealous. You're cuter than her. You're like one of the hottest girls in the grade. <laughs> and Adele is just like blushing and, th- and saying thanks. But like, she's definitely shy and awkward about it. And then the girl's like, Hey, let me see if you're blushing. And she like touches her face. And next thing you know, the oh. two of them are kissing. Yeah. Which I get it. I mean, I'm a sucker for flattery too. And so I think at this point, Adele, even if she hasn't like fully admitted it to herself, she kind of knows deep yeah, down she's where like, I kinda like her this. interests lie. That's right. And so like the next day, she she goes into the bathroom after this girl. She starts kissing her, and this girl's like, you know, I was just we were messing around, messing around. I'm yeah. not really like into this or what. It's actually brutal. <laughs> it is. It's a crazy thing for another person for a person to behave though. Like, what was she doing? What was all Yeah, it of that? seems uh, unethical. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's unethical if you don't <laughs> actually know that the other person... Is going to, like, react and be into it. Yeah, but this girl promises not to tell anyone, and, and she doesn't, even when things get weird with the other friends in the group who accuse Adele of being a lesbian later, but... With some group of friends. Yeah. It's sort of a rough time for her. But the it, thing is, they have a, f- a v- friend within the group who's a, a gay man or a boy i guess valentine right but he's like very openly gay and so 
I think part of it is this girl, you know, the one girl who gets like really pissed off later. She's like a basically super homophobic, like oh, yeah. afraid that like Adele was like checking her out or or Please. something or don't flatter yourself. <laughs> yeah. When she gets sad, she goes to a gay bar with Valentine. Yeah, well, don't you get the sense that when, through their conversations, he's yeah. kind of like... I think he kind of... I think had, I know what's up here, yeah. Had an idea. Which and, I do like when they're talking about her look and her hair, and she doesn't look good or whatever. And I don't know, there is something that Adele has, this like disheveled look, but she pulls it off. Adele is like... And I feel this way about the actress in general. I mean, if you just were like, what is Zach into in real life? This is the prototype. It's this girl. Yeah. I mean, this girl, for me, holy shit. <laughs> just so attractive to yeah. me. Yeah. Just a wonderful looking person. <laughs> <laughs> what a nice thing to say. And the fact that she's like French, I mean, God. Yeah, just... I know. I do. I, I don't Give know. There is something about that. Yeah, like a French girl with like disheveled hair and like smoking <laughs> a cigarette. I'm like, yep. <laughs> I don't know if she has any particular reason, but she wanders next door to this lesbian bar. I got the scene. vibe that she was like hoping to see the girl with the blue hair. I know. I mean, obviously, this is it wouldn't be a movie without this scene, but it is one of these things like, OK, this girl's just at and the I bar. guess if you haven't seen this movie, some of the stuff that we're rushing through maybe doesn't make sense. But the girl with the blue hair had her arm around another girl. So clearly... Not only was Adele attracted to her, but she knew that this other woman was a lesbian. Well, I think she was making some assumptions, but... Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, but, uh, you know. I know. When this girl with the blue hair sees Adele down at the bar by herself, she comes down and pretends to be her cousin to get rid of the other girls, because, I mean, Oh, Adele, yeah, it's just like, well, she's she's a sheep in there. She's got that super young, the wolves are inexperienced circling. look, and she's gorgeous and she's by herself and yeah i mean she's attracting a lot of attention it's not any different than if she went to a regular bar really the guys would be in her orbit yeah. immediately so emma comes down and pretends to be her cousin gets rid of these other chicks they hit it off they're talking this is clearly what adele wanted but she's still very shy whereas emma projects this yeah good for adele i will confidence. say the times that in my life where i've seen a beautiful girl who i've been attracted to and then i just show up at a bar She's never there. I would say that Emma is the one with the confidence just to come down and be like, What's up? Yeah, I see her, so I'm going to. Yeah, go down but there you and do make get the sense that Emma just has a certain swag. Yeah, and she's with another woman at this point who she sort of ditches like fucking it's Jake like LaMotta or yeah. Jordan Belfort. Like, we never even hear from Emma's previous girlfriend. When Emma comes to see Adele at school, Adele like goes off with her, but the other girls and some of the guys too are like, "Look at this tomboy." Which I, I, I mean, I guess it isn't isn't as bad as saying dyke, but I kind of felt like that was the vibe of what they were saying. Like we know, okay, yeah. And then Adele's like walking off with her, so then immediately she becomes ostracized. But the long and the short of it is, this Adele is needs what new friends Adele has been waiting for. This is like the unleashed passion. Years pass once they start a relationship. They're living together. Yeah. I guess the one thing that I'd point out about the past is just like the two experiences when they start dating is like Adele does have this thing where just the experience that you get with her family versus Emma's family and it carries on into the second half. 
She doesn't really want to flaunt things. Even through the end of the movie, it seems when they're in a serious relationship for a while, you get the sense that her colleagues and everything don't know that she's right. a lesbian. Yes. And, and I feel like you see the early, I guess, where that's headed with these like dinner scenes with the parents. Yeah, and I think that's that ties in with what I was saying about the social class yeah. and also the differences in what that led to in terms of their upbringing and what they're comfortable with. And Emma is very open with her parents. And she's older. I mean, she's about to graduate college, and Adele uh, is still in high school when they meet. True. <laughs> and Adele's parents are more conservative, and they sort of hide it from them. But the parents all fall out of the narrative pretty quickly that's it you get the yeah the early interactions a couple of scenes then we're done adele is swept up into emma's world they're living together it seems like this is emma's apartment because she throws adele out later and you imagine that emma's parents are probably paying for it and if emma's parents weren't rich it's unclear whether or not emma could actually be well an artist. I, you know <laughs> they have this big dinner scene at their apartment and it's basically like the wedding scene from The Deer Hunter. It just goes on and on. And, it, you know. <laughs> it's as depressing. Right, she's talking to all these different people. But at a certain point, you're just like, okay, these two have been together for a while. These are like all of Emma's friends. But it seems like none of them know who Adele is. Yes. They're living together. No more blue hair. and Which is, I think, is like a big symbolic thing. Because there's been a shift. Yeah. I think this, this signifies a change. It signifies a difference in Emma and the two of them have started to grow apart. Although at this point when Adele is like nude posing for Emma's art and then it morphs into her cooking the food and then leading into the center, the audience is not aware of this yet. And I, right. More importantly, neither of them are yet. Yeah. But Although the idea here is that they're starting to yeah. be completely different because as I was saying, like their differences in life have led their ambitions to be different and what they want to be different. And Adele is very happy being a teacher, which she has now started to do. Emma yeah, is still pursuing this life in the art world and wants to push Adele to pursue a more artistic endeavor. Like yeah, she seems kind of um, embarrassed about the fact that a little bit embarrassed. Yeah, she's with her friends she's condescending anyway. yeah. and a little bit like belittling. She's like, you're such a great writer. Why aren't you a writer? And Adele's just like, I write in my journal. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and, and I think anybody could kind of relate to that idea of like when someone doesn't understand what you want. There's nothing wrong with being a teacher. In fact, it's a very noble pursuit and it's something that Especially Adele when, feels passionate about because yeah. she feels like she learned a lot from school. School was That's like a gateway for her to learn about some of the things that she would have never learned about through her parents or friends. And she specifically right. says that to Emma's parents earlier in the film. Whereas Emma is sort of like spoiled and pampered and... Seems like kind of a brat, actually. Yeah, she basically... Ha has been offered a lot of things that Adele would never have been offered. And so Adele has like more of that blue collar spirit of fighting for things, earning things. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, her pursuit of being a teacher almost feels more noble because how passionate she is about it, like how into it she is. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be that Emma is a villain. 
it just means that they're completely different. They're just different walks of life. I would but say they happen to fuck great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so they, you know, they do have that fire, and they're both into each other. I do think that they love each other. It just that sometimes, unfortunately, is not enough. It's just it can't overcome these differences because yeah, Emma is so wrapped up in her uh, her career she wants to break through so much and so she wants to surround herself with these people who are in this world it's very alienating and isolating by the way these people suck for the most part yeah (laughs) just like with their galleries and whatnot and they're so self-involved so adele is teaching small children emma's continuing to pursue painting emma throws these big parties with her social circle adele cooks for the party she's meeting these people she's trying to be like a gracious hostess there's sort of a a tender touching moment when emma makes a toast and calls adele her muse and her love and everything that's right it is very sweet and it is in front of everyone we meet a few of these people there's like lease this fucking bitch yeah I mean, what's the deal? What what is the deal with Lise? I think she's just another artist. Maybe I, it's hard to tell. But Jaquim is a, a gallery owner. That's right. So they're all trying to impress him. Who does exhibits? And then there's Samir, Very who's like an actor who befriends Adele and has like some kind of an interest in her. After the party, even though like Emma, this is where Emma's like belittling Adele's career and ambition. She's trying to push her into the arts more. Adele insists she's happy, but it's clear they're growing apart because. Beyond the physical, they're slowly realizing they never had that much in common. I do like some of the things that are implied after this party is over and they're going to bed because they both just get completely nude to get in bed. Yeah, well, I'm sure that's how they were sleeping. Is that just every night? (laughs) What a world. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Oh, God. As time goes by, Adele finds opportunities where she is alone and Emma is staying late. She's putting yeah. a lot of time in. I want to circle with back Lise to what specifically Emma's doing. We don't know. But Adele hangs out with colleagues from work. There's a guy named Antoine. He's got a lot of interest in her. He's sort of putting on a whole thing. He's always like, let's go dancing. I think the idea here is that Adele is very insecure because she feels out of place with these people who know about things she doesn't know about. They talk sure. about things she doesn't know about. She does seem naive, and she it almost like... She feels sheepish or dumb when she's, like, talking to them. Yeah, and they have that way of, like, they're not actually rude, but <laughs> they talk in a way where it's just a given that you would know about this stuff. Yeah. And then when you don't, you're like, well, all right. <laughs> you sort of start drifting off. And They're Emma, just like, I bet her... Adele's dad is a janitor. <laughs> they're like... You know, and then Emma, who is her love, is not there to, like, hold her hand and pull her along. She's sort of drifting off and talking to other people, talking to this least woman who Adele's probably a little bit jealous of. And then it leads to her spending this time with Antoine and then eventually cheating on Emma with Antoine. Yeah. The details of which we never actually see. I will say, man, I find myself more into Adele during this sequence. I don't know what it is when she's like dancing, doing this like crazy salsa thing. I am just like floored. I'm so in. There's so many different things going on in this movie when you think about it and you approach it from different 
ways because we just broke down all of this different class stuff, different upbringings, different ambitions and all that stuff. Plus there's Emma having much more experience with women than Adele. Adele having just sort well, of found herself and then getting wrapped up with Emma. And we you have to do some math here of so this is her first relationship. She's been with Emma we don't know how many years, like maybe as much as like six years or something. I mean, she goes all the way through college. She mentions having to get her master's to become a teacher. I, I don't know how many years that ends up being. Yeah, but. it's very vague with with the time passing in this. It's hard to tell. It's definitely like years have gone by Absolutely. of them being together, but it, it's unclear. And then it's unclear later after they break up how much time is going by. But yeah, when you approach it from the ages, which is what I was kind of building towards, which is... Emma had all of this experience. She was very confident in herself and knew who she was at an earlier age. She's much more in the mode of like career based. I'm pursuing something I want because I've already locked down my relationship at home. Adele, on the other hand, she's still a lot younger and never really experienced a typical college experience because she was in a relationship. And so when she starts to feel abandoned by Emma, it does feel natural for her to be like, I want to go out and dance. I want to go out and experience some Hell stuff. Yeah. And then that loneliness manifests itself when she cheats with Antoine. Which, again, I mean, this is the thing where it's like, I think it could draw some negative criticism. But you do feel like the interest is solely because of the loneliness and just trying to lash out and act out because she doesn't really know what Emma's up to. If you wanted to criticize the film, you could say that it glamorizes the lesbian sex and turns it into a man's pornographic fantasy. Then it shows us that a relationship between two women is unstable and ultimately one cheats with a man. And many did criticize the film sure. in this okay. way. I get it. But that's not how I read it. For Same. people who are perhaps open-minded but inexperienced, it normalizes a same-sex relationship. Everything about Adele and Emma is relatable regardless of the viewer's gender or sexuality. If Adele was unfaithful with another woman, it might be more palatable to these critics because it reaffirms her lesbian status and does not signify that her gay relationship was in some way unfulfilling and that she just needed a man all along. And okay, I get that. But I still think you're getting lost in the details and not seeing the bigger picture which is actually very simple love is love no matter who you are or who you love and all the same pitfalls traps loneliness betrayal and uncontrollable emotion sure are there whether you're gay straight bi whatever and i think ultimately that is what you're experiencing because like i said i mean i i was very emotionally invested the first time i saw this movie that it caused me to like think about it non-stop have dreams about it be like very wrapped up in the story yeah and i'm just a straight man who's not french questionably yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) i think anybody could relate to this and connect with it absolutely but when i think about adele and this dude i i never get the sense that i mean it's not like she's chasing after him you never get the feeling that it's like a sexually driven thing but i do feel like there is part of it with Adele that there is this struggle to succumb to societal pressures to some degree. Like she is more comes from the background of being a lesbian. Isn't something that's like celebrated. And I don't think that she 
is pursuing a man, but I think there is this part of her that is more like that's more accepted by society. And that's a bigger well, that's deal to possible. her than it would be like an Emma character who doesn't come from a background caring about those things. Yeah, I mean that is that's possible. I don't even know if that even factors into it though. I I just sit like somebody was giving her attention. I, I agree. That that that's most And of this it, is yes. like happening concurrently with Emma spending a lot of time with Lise and not being there and then like leaving that the voice message. I mean, a lot of this stuff is sort of like glossed over very quickly when you compare it to how long we spend on like scenes of them eating or having sex or how long the party scene was. This all is like sort of Oh, now it starts happening quickly. Very yeah. quick. So you're kind of like how often was she coming home to an empty apartment? How how many late nights were there? It seems like there were probably a lot. That's what I was hitting on earlier too where there is a lot of mystery here where you're kind of like just trying to fill in the gaps. You don't see much of it, but it feels like there's a lot of nights. It feels like there's a lot of nights where Emma's gone for a while. Unexpectedly, though, one night when Adele comes home, Emma's there waiting, and it seems like she saw something or she knows, and she confronts Adele about what's been going on. And this scene is particularly brutal, and it's a a very emotional breakup scene. There's real anger on both sides. Amazing performances, I would say. The more times you watch this and the more you think about Emma and you think about the situation, you have to wonder, either had she cheated on Adele with Lise, we don't know, we never know. It's never even hinted at, it's just a guess, because of the time she was spending with Lise and then how this ultimately goes later. But you can also think, even if she didn't cheat with Lise, like, was she already seeing the writing on the wall? Like, was she getting kind of... Right, it does feel like there's something more to... Embarrassed is her. the wrong word. But yeah. like what you were saying, is she kind of just like, I need to be with someone who understands what I want. And her just being content, being like a normal nine to five teacher is not what I'm right. interested in yeah. anymore. Was she already f- sensing that they were, had grown apart? I don't know, but the anger is real and i do think as much as like emma sometimes straddles that line of being unlikable or being a villain i do think that the betrayal is real yeah although you do wonder if she's more pissed that it was a man i I think the betrayal is real but i do think that there was some level of betrayal going on from her side whether or not it was physical i would say at the very least emotional if if you're hanging out with this person a lot and then you break up and that's the next person you date you can't tell me yeah, that there wasn't that something going on beforehand, even if just emotional. And An I emotional do think, affair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do think that you feel some of that in the anger here. I feel like there is some guilt or something. It, it feels like there's more to it than just an angry reaction. It's very complex because you bring into the whole thing. Like, typically you would think, okay, well, if she had cheated on her with a man, that maybe wouldn't seem as bad because it's like something different. But yeah. I do think there's always been some insecurity with Emma about Adele and is this just like a phase? I think that's just a given if since it's like her first serious lesbian relationship and that might be Emma's own insecurities that she's like projecting onto Adele. Like Adele in a movie in 2020 probably wouldn't have to explain her sexuality to Emma, but you know, possibly as late as 2013. I don't know. I'm just kind of speculating, but like Listen, maybe it's more of a question mark. Like, if you why wanna, would you have sex with a man? If you, right. And if you want to just say from the perspective of the movie, I think that's definitely a part of it. 
but like we don't see it from Emma's point of view, and she doesn't say that stuff specifically. Although she does have like a couple. Some of, of the lines, comments. Like, Did you get fucked or whatever? Did you suck his dick? Right, and then try to kiss me. <laughs> what an accusation! Although I, I am sure you've said some of those same things. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she throws Adele out on her ass. Basically, we have no idea where Adele goes that night. Right, and and we talked about this before uh, recording, but this. They live in a nice apartment. Yes. Emma seems to have a made-up career. I think Adele is making more money than Emma. That's I, I would have to think. I mean, it doesn't seem like she has anything going on. But, but it's hard to tell. I mean, who What are knows? these projects that she's working on with Lise in you know, all hours of the night? Who knows? I don't understand it. But since it's Emma's apartment and she throws Adele out, it's probably pretty clear that like her parents paid for right. it. And you are just like, where's poor Adele to go now? You, you, also, for, you would think back with this dude, at least for the short term, but whatever happened there, whatever the end of that was. Yeah, but that feels like almost so depressing. I know. Especially you, if that dude thought that she was into him. Well, for the second half of the movie, you do wonder, like, what do Adele's parents think? Do they know, like, anything about this? We never see her parents in the second half. It's been years now. Yeah, but did she ever tell them? No, that's what I'm saying. If she didn't tell them, that seems like she would have had to completely cut them out of her life because this is such a big part of her life. Who knows? Hard to say. Yeah, we don't know how close, like in proximity, that they were living. To, I don't know. We're not from France, so it's not like we know what's going on Yeah, where on does this with take place? Like Lille? Yeah. Which I only know French cities outside of Paris just because of soccer now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Time passes after their breakup, which is very hard on Adele. Absolutely. She finds satisfaction in her job, but can't get over Emma. Well, at least she has that. Boy, I've had some relationships end and did not have a place to find satisfaction. Certainly not my job. It's like a montage of her just crying at random places, including like after the last day of school, like when all the kids leave. Yeah, that is tough. Eventually, after some undetermined amount of time, Adele and Emma meet up again at a restaurant. I, this is where, like, the first viewing, the emotions really started to sort of well up for me. Emma is now with Lise, who was pregnant at the first time we yeah. saw her at the dinner, but now she has a small child, and Emma kind of considers the child and Lise like her family now. Yeah, and, you know, they kind of just casually throw that at you. Adele mentions, I've had some flings, but nothing. Nothing that sticks. Nothing meant anything. It's clear that she's, like, still Oh yeah, chasing We talk about um, full-court <laughs> presses on this show sometimes. Does she specify if her flings were with men or women? Does she no, say she that? No, she does not. No. Huh. That's curious, because I, I, I wonder what the answer is to that. Yeah, I, well, I mean, Emma does ask, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? And it's interesting that she asks if you have a boyfriend first. Like, she thinks yeah. that's where it was heading. I mean, if you'd watched the same sex scenes we watched, <laughs> I don't know how you got that <laughs> really? impression. Yeah. <laughs> there didn't seem to be anything tentative about it. No, no questions here. It's clear, though in this scene that the two of them still have this strong physical connection. Emma Absolutely. admits that the I, sex with Lise is not as good. Yeah, which is kind of nuts. 
You're like, okay. You, well, she's yeah. being truthful. She she's, is. She's putting. They're both putting it all out there. I mean, the thing we talked about Adele wearing it on her sleeve. I mean, it can't be understated. She's a wreck. She's like, it seems like shaky, emotional from the beginning of this conversation. Yeah, and I think Emma is like trying to not, but starts to lose control at a certain oh, yeah. point. Because I think it's clear that they both do have feelings for each other. Well, Adele's like, here, give me your hand. I'm going to put it in my mouth. (laughs) I think with certain people, and this is just something that's true to life, it's not necessarily specific to this story or these characters, but there are people who are very, like, hard-lined about certain things, and she felt betrayed. Now... As we've already debated, it could be because it was a man or it could just be that she cheated or it could be both or whatever. But she's made up her mind. Well, I you was, betrayed me. There is yeah. no turning back. I was also taking that, though, as like another sign that we were heading to the end regardless. And this was just the thing that shut it all down. Just because that feeling like and we don't see it, but we don't know. Like, obviously, Adele was upset right away. Years have seemingly passed now. Was there other attempts at a reconciliation? You know what I mean? Well, we I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But I was getting the sense, or at least my take, is at least somewhat that this relationship was heading to an end. And this incident was what shut it down. There was no feelings from Emma that this was going to reignite regardless. That That's kind of my take on it. Well, yeah, I don't think that she showed up to this meeting. No, no, I, I mean post. Re- I just mean post breakup. They, this was just one of those, we're done, and it's not just the incident. Oh, well, yeah. I think that they had grown apart. But you're thinking that like these characters are like that self-aware about all of this stuff. I don't know if they are. Okay. Like, sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment, you don't necessarily see the writing on the wall that it's like we've drifted apart i don't know well there was enough there with lease that this sent her right into lisa's arms yeah well that's the thing like if this was split in terms of point of view we would know more about emma's mindset and what was going on at the time it's really hard to gauge i'm just sort of going by her physical reaction to what happens here in this booth whenever they start kissing and grabbing onto each other's <laughs> crotches and all of this. This is completely insane. She seems like she was trying to put up a wall. Yes. And like I said, I felt like that wall was because she, she was held, being hard line. Yes. She held strong, albeit briefly. You're probably right in terms of the reality of the situation, but in terms of like their hearts and sure. their emotion, okay. she made a decision, which was you cheated on me. And that's it. Now, stonewalled. it may have been over anyway, but I don't know for sure whether or not either of them knew that. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe Emma did kind of think that anyway, and she used the cheating as an excuse. I felt like the acting in that scene when they break up is convincing me that she was I think she legitimately was hurt. hurt and yeah. upset. I, I feel like there was more feelings than just hurt. Maybe. But she clearly made up her mind about being betrayed. And so Absolutely. she comes into this meeting with a wall and Adele. She's like, I'm not going to have a drink to knock I'll some of coffee. this wall down. Yes. For a minute. And it gets pretty wild <laughs> right there. They're both fully clothed, but 
you know. Uh, yeah, definitely some. I, I don't know what you want to call full on making out, <laughs> licking each other's faces, like grabbing each other's crotch. It for minutes. Oh yeah, <laughs> this is not just a quick... in the middle of this place where there are other patrons people. all around. <laughs> the camera pans over to the rest of the restaurant. They're all staring. <laughs> The waiter comes over like, ladies, 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 yeah. please, <laughs> what are you doing? Please stop. And it seems like this is a, a nighttime meetup. I guess that's that's the way I feel. It's a, almost like a dimly lit looking bar type place. And then the camera turns around at one point and like it's like the door is like glass to go outside and you just see it's like daylight and there's people sitting out there too. Yeah, it feels weird because of what just happened. But when you think about it, of course, it's during the day. Yeah. Because... Emma's not going to meet her at night. No, no. <laughs> she could barely hold her off during the day. And she admits. Oh, yeah. They, their they still have the passion connection. was special. And Emma will always have a special place in her heart for Adele. But it is over. Yeah. She I mean, is okay with sacrificing some of the hot sex that's to, right. for the stability of being with Lise and, and the child and everything. Which Adele puts it right at her and is like, well, how's the sex with Lise? And Emma's just like, well, you know, I don't want to say lousy, but I'm not going to rule out boring. And for me, this would be like a great end to the film. More of like a sucker punch to the stomach of this just is, like they yeah. almost get back together and then they don't. And it's just like we had this physical thing and that wasn't enough. I feel it. like this is the emotional high point to the movie, even more so than the breakup. Because there's like emotions just swirling in this scene. Yeah, because the breakup is so hectic and chaotic and coming on the heels of some big th revelation, like you cheated on me. So then this is almost like, even though in the actual story, this might be years later, it's hard to tell. So much time has passed. We're both completely calm and rational. We both can look back at our relationship and what yeah. it was. But they, I And mean, the ultimate decision is, I'm walking out of this restaurant Right, now. like, listen, we both acknowledge... We have this undeniable bond, this fire that burns between <laughs> us. But I'm happy with my situation. Lisa's my people. The coda to the film is some undetermined amount of time later. Really hard to tell because unfortunately like Adele looks exactly the same the entire time. As when she was in high school. She makes a joke during the bar scene about her cheeks because she's got like the the baby fat still on her face she's got a very young looking face okay and they have to comment on it because they're like well she's supposed to be like 30 now or whatever and she looks exactly the same yeah. so we have to say something but here we go she's gonna go to this art exhibition finally emma got her stuff to be her shown gallery. by jakeem i don't know how much time's gone by adele just like in the restaurant scene wearing this blue dress a different one but she's like i'm gonna give it one more shot yeah, I don't know. I feel like it would be better if the restaurant scene was the last scene. This whole yeah. thing I guess I guess like the thing is there was still a part of her after the restaurant scene that's like, all right, well like she broke down for a minute. I mean, Yeah, that's true. It gives but... her maybe like a little sliver of hope. But like when this scene happens, it is like put the nails in the coffin. This is never again. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like... I mean, it's definitely better than the graphic novel, which is... Yeah, yeah. The two of them do get back together. I agree with you. I and guess... then Adele dies. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I know. Stupid. Which is so yeah. dumb. 
I, from a drug I agree with you. I mean, I think the movie would be perfect if it ended after the dinner scene. I, I guess the point, they really want to drive this home that it's never happening. Yeah, I know, but I get it. But I just feel like in terms of like, the, you're you're kind of like, it's such a lesser emotional moment because i feel like if anything you're just more sad for adele and not even because the relationship yeah, but it's just not because, as like, strong though. yeah i know but i'm more i feel sad for just because of how awkward her appearance at this place is yeah but it, i don't know i just don't feel like it's even that effective okay. because you could say like well what is emma supposed to do she's in the middle of this big thing is she supposed to drop it's everything? her day yeah i mean everyone's gonna she like, could be to like her, yeah. For all we know, it's like she could be like, holy fuck, I can't believe she came and like getting all nervous, but like she still has to like do all this shit. I know that's not what they're conveying, but like Emma never really expresses emotions as as strongly as Adele anyway. So like who knows? And she's legitimately busy with this stupid thing and all these people. And then I, of course, I, get, we, I get what they're going yeah. for, but I just don't think it's an effective scene compared to the restaurant. Which oh, I agree. But what about the the lease interaction? I mean, there's some emotion there. I would say. <laughs> Okay. Know, she should have just gouged her eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking bitch. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so Adele looks around. I mean, there's still artwork of her in the exhibit a little bit. Which is kind of weird. Yeah. It reminded me like, a little bit of Closer. Yeah. And how there's like the photograph of Natalie Portman crying in the right. exhibit and the yeah. whole deal. Except Adele is nude in the painting, which is sort of weird to be like, hey. I guess the other ones are supposed to be Lise, and she's loving it. Well, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) And then Samir, who we didn't really mention very much, he's like this actor guy who hit it off with Adele back at that party when Adele and Emma were together. He wants to, like, talk to Adele. Adele gets a chance to leave and duck out after it's clear that Emma has put in her, like, FaceTime with Adele and has now moved on and is... You know, Emma was, like, polite, but that was the end. I mean, there wasn't going to be any moment between them, and Adele sort of realizes that, and I think... It is one of those moments where you go there with expectations, and then this is reality. Yeah. Even if it wasn't expectations, at least it's at least a question mark, and then that question mark is quickly answered, and you're like, what am I doing here? (laughs) It's time to leave. Absolutely. And Samir... Follows her out, but can't figure out where she went, and then that's the end of the movie. I, I don't know why that's the end of the movie, where he's looking for her, and then it's a character we barely know. Yeah, and you, it brings up a lot of questions about Samir, like, why does he hang out with these people? Because it doesn't seem like he's having any fun. He's, he's just always been hoping that if he keeps going to these events, Adele's going to show back up one of these times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's supposed to leave us with Adele I've given my thoughts on whether or not I think the restaurant scene would have been better as the last scene, but let's get to my next question, which is, at the end of the movie, how do we feel about Emma? What are our final thoughts on all things Emma? Leah Seydoux, yeah, well, the older lesbian getting in the relationship with I think Adele. it's probably, I probably have an unfair stance on Emma because when I think of myself, I'm more of an Adele than I am an Emma. I do think that's by design. I think most people watching they this movie are, are going to relate to Adele because it's just everything's through her perspective. And I do think that's probably why... Emma seems like a bitch? Yeah. I think 
Emma comes off as sometimes villainous because it feels that way to Adele. Like that's true. She, I mean, a big part of it is yeah, they're just motivated by different things and and come from different walks of life. And Emma doesn't really do anything horrible. From what we see, she's the one that's cheated on. So, I mean. Yeah, that's an interesting trick of the movie is to make you sympathize completely with Adele, even though she is the only one we know for sure that did anything wrong. That's right. Now, you could <laughs> I say fall that, for it, though. I don't care. Yeah, you, I mean, you could say, like, Emma is condescending and sort of belittling to Adele and clearly thinks that her and her friend group are better in that certain I'll sense. I'll say this. Anytime there's been a part of my an event in my life that's like this gallery scene, I have not been the Emma in that moment. <laughs> I've only <laughs> been the Adele. Yeah, it's weird to think about how much time they might be signifying has passed since they broke up, though. Then you start to think, like... Is Adele is, crossing into, like, creepy territory? Yeah, Adele, it's like, maybe it's time to just give up. Let it go. But, like, to be fair to her... I mean, I don't know. I think because of the blue dress and because of the way she just sort of leaves abruptly, I guess you can kind of draw your own conclusions. But to be fair, it's not like she really does anything embarrassing. That's or true. She's not like, give me your hand. She's like, maybe she's curious. Like, what? what is this like? Or maybe she is just happy for Emma and wants to... Emma's hair is pretty similar to how it was at the restaurant. So yeah. maybe not a ton of time has gone by since that. That's true. It's it hard doesn't to, feel that it's way. It's impossible to I, yeah, tell. Who knows? <laughs> All right. I think we did a pretty good job with as, this. As good as we could. There's a lot of like, I'm sure there's, I'm going to listen back to this when I'm editing it and be like, I got to cut out that whole sentence <laughs> or this whole joke or whatever. Yeah. But Insensitive. <laughs> it's a difficult subject for our two straight white guys to I mean, dance I don't, around. Yeah, I, I'm sure people don't want to hear our opinions about it, but it was a listener <laughs> request, so... <laughs> Yeah, it's our excuses to be able to do it. That's right. No, that's what I think. I think it's legitimate for anybody to tell any story. Now, does that mean that anybody can tell any story well or great? No. Does that mean that there aren't people that might be more qualified? Of course not. But I don't think it's really fair to be like, you can't tell this story because of I dot, know. dot, dot. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't like that mindset. I don't now, like that stance. The problem is, the real problem is, not that a straight man told this story. It's that straight men are usually given way more opportunities to sure. tell any stories. That they want. I agree with. So as things change and continue to evolve, you would like to see more opportunities for other people to tell their stories and different versions of stories. And if a guy is willing to pour himself into this and make this three-hour emotional epic that breaks through and that gets people's attention, I just think that's a net positive, even if there are some concerns with it. If you want to debate different aspects of the storytelling or different parts of the sex scenes or whatever, then that's fine, and that contributes to the discourse with the movie. But to just outright throw it out because of one, because of one thing or the other, it seems stupid to me. It is of the times, though. Well, now we've come seven years since this came out. I don't necessarily think it's like a hotbed of debate anymore, but I think looking back on it, I think it's like a towering achievement in cinema, and I'm kind of like mad at myself yeah, for mean, not putting it in my top ten. Listen, the cinematography I think is amazing. Obviously, seven years ago isn't that long ago. This still kind of looks to me like it was shot like yesterday. It, it looks good. I, I just think that the... 
you're so engaged in what's going on between these two and just that naturalistic realism i love that that is like right up my alley i don't necessarily want to like shit on other movies or anything that's not really what this podcast is about we we usually are mostly focusing on stuff we like and being positive but this past year a woman did do a french lesbian story oh, yeah. uh, portrait of a lady on fire and i did recommend the movie i think on one of the solo and i did um watch it based off your recommendation and a lot of people were like, oh, this is so much better because it's a woman. I did see a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you, folks, Blue's the Warmest Color is a thousand times better than that movie. I agree with that. That movie is well shot and has some cool things in it. But I it's- liked Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think Blue's the Warmest Color is significantly more engaging, entertaining. entertaining. Yeah. I do think Portrait of a Lady on Fire ultimately like appeals to today's mindset because it's very like oh, this love is forbidden, and so it's like sort of another victim narrative. It, but it, it to me, it felt like very familiar, this sort of time before being gay was accepted, and so it's all very clandestine. You know, I don't know, it felt very familiar. The cinematography was good, although I did watch it during the time period where I watched 132 Criterions. Wow. And so it was hard to really act like the, the cinematography was like better than a lot of those movies. Yeah, I know. It was good. Yeah. To me, but I as soon it. as I stopped watching it, it, you know, it left my mind. It didn't make that much of an impression on me. It certainly wasn't as impactful as this. Now, Not even close. If you have like a gay woman and she watches both and maybe she's going to relate to Portrait of a Lady on Fire more and well, that's, that's completely valid, yeah. but I think there is sort of a universality about Blue is the Warmest Color that can't be denied. The fact that it can take a very specific story about two women in love and sort of make anybody in the world be able to relate to it through the passion and the heartbreak is an achievement to me. And to deny it just because a man directed it or to deny it because the porno sex scenes are a little crazy. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, fast forward through it. I did not the first rewatch for this podcast, but today before we started recording, I sort of just fast forwarded through them. A, because I was a little bit embarrassed that like other people in the apartment building might hear it, but <laughs> B, just be like, yeah. I was like, I, this isn't really that important You're to me to get through the story. The other direction on those types of scenes, <laughs> it's usually that rewind button. So that tells you something about how much this movie affected me. What are you doing? What? <clears throat> what? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. All right, let's get to recommendations. Do you have one? None for me this week. All right, I have one. It's a movie that I meant to watch a while ago and just never got around to. It's a movie called Starfish from 2018. You can check it out on Hulu and Amazon Prime. I think it's streaming on both. The reviews for this movie are all over the place. Who's in it? The only person that really is in it is a girl named Virginia Gardner who... Okay was in the new Halloween movie, although she was not the main girl. I, I don't All know right. who she was, like one uh, of the friends, I guess. not familiar with her. I think she's in the show The Runaways, which is a Hulu Marvel show, which I might ah, be over I see, at this not point. about the band The Runaways. No. Sadly. It's written and directed by a guy named A.T. White. It often is associated with science fiction and horror. Truthfully, it's neither, and in fact, they should probably... <laughs> 
kind of like the sex scenes in blue is the warmest color they would probably be better off eliminating the quote horror element altogether because they clearly didn't have the budget for that part of it okay it's a strange movie most people probably wouldn't like it i'm not even sure i liked it Ooh, my favorite kind of recommendation the beginning you probably love it okay good yeah this sounds like me <laughs> it's a movie about grief and oh yes. her friend dies before the movie takes place and she basically breaks into her friend's apartment and spends some time there and all this weird shit starts happening. The beginning of it is awesome. I would say like the first half hour as it's like setting everything up. And then there's that whole like, is this stuff really happening? Is it not happening? Is it the end of the world? There's like interdimension shit going on. Some really cool stuff in it. It looks fantastic for a while. Like I said, the... I don't want to like spoil anything, but like the horror supernatural element to it doesn't look great because I don't think they really had the budget for that kind of stuff. It's a movie I, I hadn't even heard of until the last few months, and then I finally got around to watching it. I would say check it out if you have an open mind, if you're into like inventive indie movies that have to make do on a small budget. It's you know, story wise, it's not very similar to like Gareth Edwards movie uh monsters, but it sort of reminds me of I that see. sort of idea yeah. of like taking a big idea and doing it on a very small budget. Okay, I like that. Good performance from Miss Gardner. She's like a young actress. Like I said, I mean, I'd seen Halloween from 2018, but I, I didn't really remember her or anything. I, I think she probably was like one of the friends, I guess. I don't know. Starfish, yeah? Yeah, it's called Starfish, all one word, 2018, Hulu, Amazon Prime. I I'll think it actually a go. got a special blu-ray release recently which is what made me aware of it because i was seeing it on some of the blu-ray sites that i frequent some people (laughs) love it and like declare it as like one of their best movies from 2018 or from that time period of when they saw it i've seen a lot of positive stuff on twitter but then some of the reviews on imdb are like one star this is so boring yeah you know and i I think it depends on how it was marketed to you and i think by like associating it with horror and stuff you're building people up to think it's something else because it's definitely not scary and to even throw the word horror around at all is ridiculous it's not a horror movie it's much more about coping with grief and stuff fair enough so i would say check it out if you have an open mind and some extra time anything else to say about our movie today i think we've got it covered i'm certainly sad to leave this topic i'm happy we did you were certainly passionate about it let's wrap it up all right thanks for listening follow the show on twitter at greatest pod and we will talk to you soon used to be one of the ones and you liked your food Used to be one of the eighteen ones and you liked your food Used to be one of the eighteen ones and I liked your food Now you're all gone, got your makeup on and you're not coming back, can't you come back? Used to be one of the rotten ones and I liked your food Used to be one of the rotten ones and I liked your food Used to be one of the rotten ones and I liked your feathers Now you're all gone, got your makeup on and you're not coming back Bleaching your teeth, smiling, flesh, talking trash under your breath Bleaching your teeth, smiling, flesh, talking trash under your breath Bleaching your teeth, smiling, flesh, 
Whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. Hold up. I said certified freak seven days a week. Wet ass P word. Make that pullout game weak. Yeah, you effin' with some wet ass P word. P word is female genitalia. Bring a bucket and a mop for this wet ass P word. Give me everything you got for this wet ass P word. Beat it up N word. Catch a charge. Extra large and extra hard. Put this P word right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top, I want to ride. I do a kegel while it's inside. Spit in my mouth, look in my eyes. This P word is wet, come take a dive.